Welcome back. Today, we will be decluttering our lives and our decluttering notions with the amazing Rebecca Saltzman, a powerhouse of professional organizing. Rebecca holds a degree in fashion design from Parsons School of Design and for many years worked as a graphic designer. Rebecca's passion for the environment and helping people improve their lives drove her to change careers many years ago and create her company, Balagan Begone, where she helps people downsize, prepare for a move, or just get their immediate space organized. She has many, many offerings, and you can check out her website that I will post in the episode details. Um, she trains personal organizers as well. She is the author of Organized Jewish Life, and she offers monthly memberships for online group decluttering. Now, Rebecca mentioned to me that she has found that her skills extend to helping others with time management and other areas of life as well, which is why we have brought her here in today to ask the tough questions many of us have about decluttering our stuff and hopefully by extension, decluttering our lives. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Beth. I'm glad to be my, here. It is my absolute pleasure. So. I would say to start, if you could walk us through, after all, you're on ideas that change lives. So let's dive into your theories behind what you do. So what are, I would say, your guiding principles of organization uh, that you have found life-changing either for you or for your clients? Okay. So the first comes from Pirkei which is more possessions, more worry, right? The more stuff we have, the more we worry about it. And even though you don't necessarily think that you're worrying about it, you for sure are because it's always like, oh, well, I have to tidy this and I have to tidy that and I have to take care of this thing and that thing broke and now I have to have it repaired or the car needs to be fixed or the dry cleaning needs to go out or all these different things that you have to manage your time around. And it ends up being that instead of our stuff, our stuff serving us, we end up serving our stuff, which is um, not the point of stuff at all. Right. Right. Exactly. It's diametrically opposed to its, <laughs> its intended exactly. nature. Exactly. It's supposed to make our life easier, but it ends up not doing that. So, so that's my first, uh, that's, that's the first thing that I live by. So, so simplifying is a big deal. But the other thing that I think is really important to remember is that you can't organize clutter, right? Like people are like, oh, let's just take everything and we'll put it in boxes and we'll like, you know, put a label on it and then we'll be good. But, but what you're doing is you're just deferring a decision. Like you don't need all of that stuff. And, and if you would let some of it go, you wouldn't even need the boxes in the first place. So, I mean, the idea of going out and buying more things to organize the things that you already have, like, if you think about it, it's a little bit nuts, right? And then there are certain places where it makes sense, like in the kitchen, we need ways to store our food so it stays fresh, right? But like, just to have baskets to store things that we don't even really need, and then the baskets get full and full and full, and then we have... Um, then we buy more baskets to store more stuff, right? It's counterintuitive. So, right. I, so you're, so I, you're I saying, you're saying, yeah. decluttering really, it's not about putting things in boxes. It's about reducing the amount of stuff you have. So you exactly. can live a better life, essentially. Right. And then if you need a container after you've decided what you need in your life, then fine. But like, just to put things in boxes isn't really very helpful because you're really not taking a hard look at anything and deciding, do I need this or do I not need this? Right. Absolutely. So I have really found that when we let go of the things that don't serve us anymore, we make room for bracha, blessing, and abundance to come into our life. Because if you think about it for a minute, it's like, well, okay, I have X, Y, and Z, right? 
but I want A, B, and C. But because X, Y, and Z are taking up space, I don't have room for A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Where would I put it even if I had it, right? So if you let go and you make space and you clear the space for it, it's, you know, you can't physically go past what you can, you can't have more than what you can physically contain, right? So if you want something else, you need to make space for it. Right. It's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like also in your life, like you can can only have so many friends because you only have so much time in your day, right? Same thing. You can only use so many things in your day, right? You can only, you usually only wear one outfit. (laughs) Maybe some people change more than once, but still like there's a finite of numbers, a finite number of things you can enjoy. So the rest is really just cluttering up your life. Right. And the thing is, is like, I'm not saying you have to be a minimalist. Um, It certainly makes things easier, but you don't have to be a minimalist. It's just what happens when you have more than what you need is it just becomes too time consuming to take care of. And, and you don't really get the things that you want out of your life. You, you end up getting sucked in by all the energy and time that it takes for those things. So my feeling is always look at what you have, take the blessings and be like, thank you, God, for these blessings. I'm going to pass my blessing on to somebody else and make space for new blessing to come to me. Right, right. And then blessings become, maintain their status as blessings instead of becoming burdens. Um, Because ultimately you need to have the mental space to receive the things that come into your life, right? So if you have too many, too much stuff, you don't have the same, the same mental space um, that you need. You know, I, I, um, you and I spoke um, initially when we were planning this episode and you gave such a great example because I know it applies to my life and so many people that I know. The, the concept of cleaning up for the cleaning lady, right? Oh, yeah. oh talked about that. Uh, <laughs> like I saw my mother doing that growing up and I always thought it was bonkers. Like, why do you have a cleaning lady if you're cleaning? And now it's like, you know, one of those general generational things, you know, the Yerusha you pass down to like your kids, they say the yes. same exact line to me all the time. Why are we cleaning for the cleaning lady? And the reason is I tell them, well, we're, we're getting the stuff out of the way so she can clean. But if we didn't have so much stuff well, you're to get tidying. out of the way. You're tidying so she can clean. Yes. But if you didn't have to do that, wouldn't that be better? Absolutely. If I had less stuff, and let's say it took a half hour less a week to get ready for her to come, I would have a half hour more in my life every week. So do I need all like that stuff that's cluttering up or do I need the half hour? Obviously, I'd rather have the half hour. Right. It's, it's just making that, that calculation and realizing um, realizing that you could, you could actually trade your stuff for time. (laughs) But, but, but what you end up doing is you end up stressing yourself out before. And it's like almost, why do I even bother? Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it becomes like, I know for a lot of my clients, it becomes like, Oh, the cleaner's coming. Right. It's like, it's, it's hard. It's that's like the most difficult day of the week when it should be the, the, happiest day of the week, right? Like the and what, what a great impact encapsulation of that concept of a blessing becoming a burden then. Like, yes, like you want the end product of the clean house, but you also want a way to do it, to make it to the end product in a way that's not miserable. You want to look forward to her coming, right? Right. So yeah, you can put in systems of, in your life to make it so that you are not, um, you're not, you don't have to do so much <laughs> tidying on your own to keep your yes. space. Another thing, like a really big burden when the cleaner comes is uh, this is always a conversation I have with my clients is 
the cleaner came and now I don't know where anything is. People don't know where to put things. So people, they just get left around. Um, yeah. So being clear is being kind because it's like, if you label where these bowls or these serving trays go or the coats go or the backpacks or the shoes, um, if it's not like directly obvious where those things go or like for kids, if they know like their shirts go here, their pants go here, their sneakers go here, their socks go here, right? Like it's clear, it's easy for them to clean up because you're you're facilitating a system that they can see. And we were talking about this too, but like our kids don't just know things. Like we have to teach them things yeah. and we can't expect them to just know how to clean up their room. It seems so obvious to us, but I mean, part of the reason why I have a business in the first place is because so many people don't know how to clean things up. Yeah. And, 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 and we didn't learn that as a child. Right. So like now we have to go back and, and learn that ourselves, but also we need to give those, those skills to our kids. Like Absolutely. if we, yeah. we need to impart that wisdom to them, um, and give them the understanding we need to help them, um, incre- improve their executive functioning so that they can be functioning adults and do these things on their own. So it's not such a big tragedy. We need to break the cycle and we need to, teach them how to, to manage their things. We also need to teach them to be responsible with the amount of things that they have. It's very easy for children to get caught up in the consumerism of things and, and to really, I need this. I need that. I need this. Do you, is it because you don't know what you already have, or you can't find what you need when you need it? Or do you actually need that? Right. I would go together. Yeah, I would say like a few things. Like one, my husband's grandmother used to call the cleaning lady the angel of death. <laughs> because when she came, like, you know, there were things that would just disappear, you know? <laughs> so, you know, very much speaks to that concept. But also, also, I was thinking like exactly what you said in terms of our kids needing to learn to clean up and also about, you know, uh, clarity is kindness. When we tell them clean the room, a lot of times we just don't realize they haven't been taught how to clean or haven't been taught to clean at this stage of life. Like they might've known right. when they were little, okay, the blocks go in this block bin, but now they're in their room and they're not thinking, oh, well, these should get, these, these pieces of clothing should get hung up in the closet and these can just get folded in the drawer. And like, well, what do I do with this? So if you sort of spend like one day or one time, like, like meta cleaning with your children, where you sit in the room and say, here's how I want things to go down when I tell you to clean, or even at the table, when you tell kids to clean up after themselves when they leave the table, unless you've told them, what does cleaning up mean to me? It means you've put away the condiments that you took out. You've put your dishes in the sink. You've swept under your chair. If you've made a giant mess, you know, um, maybe it doesn't look like that to everyone, you know, but whatever it is to you, whatever it means to you. Yeah. But I think one of the other things, one thing that you said was one time, it's not a one and done thing. Most kids need much more instruction than one time. I mean, I'm an organizer and my kids have a system in their room. And like my oldest son still wants me to help him declutter and go through his stuff all the time. Got it. Because It makes him for a lot of people like standing there in the clutter is very overwhelming. Yeah. That's and, true. and even if they understand how to do it, it's just like, Oh, I can't do this. And their brain just sort of shuts down. And so like having a partner makes it easier for most people. And so we can't, we can't expect that our kids are any different, especially because again, their, their executive functioning skills are not fully developed yet. So, so 
be willing to help them. You know, it just came to mind. Some people find um, cleaning up like relaxing. Like I know people that tell yeah. me like, oh, they find it like at night, they like to just go and, you know, tidy up the house. It's like a good wind down for them where it's relaxing. And some people are the opposite. Like, like what you described, they'll stand there and be like, oh my gosh, this is too much. So it's probably a very, I mean, I had a very interesting incident where um, I always saw it as like, I personally, I don't care if my house is um, uh, a bit untidy during the week. Like if my kids' toys are out, if their papers are on the table, like to me, it just doesn't bother me. Like it's before, before the Sabbath, before Shabbos, I like to make sure everything's cleaned up, but like during the week, you know, and I don't mind having people over during that either. I know people that like need their house to be pinned straight to have people over, but I had a relative over. Uh, I don't think she minds by saying my sister came from my daughter's bat mitzvah and most of our mm -hmm. toys are in the basement and the basement was a mess because there were all these kids that were in town and they were, they were family playing in the basement. And my right. sister, at one point, I saw her in the basement. Instead of hanging out with the rest of the family, she was cleaning the basement. And I said, you don't have to do that. The kids are playing. They're just going to mess it up again. And she said, you know what? For me, it is stressful to see how messy your basement is. <laughs> like, this is actually, like, helpful for me. And I said, wow. And she said, you know what? You're so lucky that the clutter doesn't bother you. She said, I, at night, I cannot like sit down and eat dinner with my husband till I've cleaned up the toys. Cause it's like too stressful for me otherwise. Right. So I never thought of it as a bracha actually to like be okay with clutter. Cause some people really are not like they can't function with it. But here's the thing, like taking the time up front saves time later on. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is they're like, well, I'm managing, I'm coping, right? Everything's going okay. But wouldn't it be better if it was going better? Right. And wouldn't it be right. better it's, if when you needed to flex and pivot, it was easy to do that? Right. It's the notion of like setting yourself up for success. Like even if you're not right. a very organized person, if you put systems in place, like I'll give you an example in my own life. There's like, there was enough times I was out and about in the car and I like didn't have like a water bottle and I was so thirsty or I needed a pen or even like I never had a good place to like put my purse in the car when I would run out for a second and I want to take my purse with me. So one day I just set up my car for success. I was like, I'm stashing these water bottles in the trunk for when I need that or my, my kids forget their water bottle or whatever. You know, I'm getting, I bought this thing that like I can put my purse on, you know, like, and now it, it's like, I'm real. I'm, I'm acknowledging I'm going to forget things. I cannot change the way my mind works, but I can, no, it's perfect. Systems, I can put in systems to mitigate that. So like, you can't right. necessarily change yourself into like an organized person who's going to remember everything, but you can organ, you can set yourself up for success. Yeah. Um, and, and what you said actually, um, about the story that you had, um, makes me, uh, it, it brought back in a question I wanted to ask you. So you had, you had told me that, um, before you became an organizer, you had read this book called, uh, zero waste house, right? Um, about a, yeah, about a household that basically created no waste, right? They had no garbage bags throughout the end of the end of the it's week. Consuming like a mason jars worth of waste in a year. Wow! And you and, and I, yes, I had heard that and thought that's bonkers. And you had mentioned when you first heard about it, you were like, "Wow, this is unattainable." And yet, you also told me that over the years, you've been able to transform your household that does involve several children. Um, to being a very low waste household. So can you talk us a little bit through how that transition and journey went? Sure. Especially because I can see that, like, like you said, a lot of your method is not about just taking what you have and, and, 
and making it organized. It's taking what you have and reducing it. So you don't have to do all this work to, to maintain the organization. So please walk me so, through that. I'd love to hear that. Sure. I'll start by saying I don't consider myself a minimalist. Okay. Um, and I think like as a religious Jew, there are a lot of things in my life that I would not have if I wasn't a religious Jew. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have a holocaust or I wouldn't have a challah board. I wouldn't have a challah knife. I wouldn't have Shabbos candles. I wouldn't have Pesach dishes. I would probably not have three sets of dishes, right? Like yeah. there are so many things that I wouldn't have if I, if I wasn't a religious Jew. But because I am, I have to find a way to keep everything that I have organized. And, and there are tons of things that we did when we lived in New York that reduced our waste. At one point, I took a tally. We were throwing out like between eight and 12 garbage bags, like, you know, the 40 gallon bags of garbage a week. Yeah, and that sounds about right. <laughs> standard for most religious families. Um, most weeks, we throw out the garbage once a week, and it's not even full. And a couple of things that we did uh, that make the biggest difference are we stopped using paper towels, we compost, and um, we don't use single-use disposables in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never, but most of the time. What and about when there's, what about when you buy food and there's packaging around it? You just recycle that. So most of the things we recycle and, and, and when, when I buy food with packaging, I'm trying to take into consideration what the packaging is. Yeah. yeah. What about tinfoil? Do you use tinfoil? Um, minimally. Minimally. Okay. Got but, it. But most of the time tinfoil can be recycled. Really? I didn't even know that. Interesting. Because it's metal. It's aluminum. Uh -huh. So it can be recycled. It falls into like a, a soda can scenario. Mm -hmm. As long as it's clean, it can be recycled. It's not really designed to be single use. Most of the stuff, it just can be. So people use it that way, but it, they're not actually really designed that way. But what I have found is, is by reducing the amount of disposables that I use overall, it actually helps me be more organized. Hmm. Because I'm not actually like by using a reusable water bottle or by reusing um, a reusable razor, let's say, like uh, where you just change the, the blade and, and not the body. Right. Um, or or by using rags. I never run out of paper towels. I always have razor blades and right, I don't true. have to find a place to store them. I'm, I'm thinking about how much storage space we use for like the giant paper towel rolls and even the foil yeah. pans, the foil pans, which are disposable. Um, yeah, all that stuff. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about age for a minute. So okay. part of what made me so interested in this topic right now is there's like challenge, there's challenges for organizing when you're younger. We talked about with like really younger kids, but we should also talk maybe about like, you know, the, the generation under us that, you know, really was not taught how to manage their consumption properly. Like when we, yeah. I don't remember like our parents' generation, like just having so much stuff as we do. So there's, there's that. But before we touch on that, um, as I get older, I've noticed that I used to have a mind like a steel trap. I would remember where everything is. I would know everything I needed to do, every paper that I needed. I would just, you know, it really knew where things were. I was very, I was very proud of that. I didn't have a planner and I've realized and I've had to embrace it, that it's just a natural process. A part of the aging process is you start to forget things, right? Like 
you know, chalk it up in best case scenario that your mind has a lot more material to remember as you get older because you've been living for so much longer. Um, but well, you, you have know, more responsibility and more responsibilities, right? So yeah. um, some things I've done to, to mitigate like the unique challenge of like suddenly like being older and having to like battle the fact that you're not going to remember where things are. I'm going to mention a few mm -hmm. things I've done and then I'd love to hear, you know, what you've done and your advice you tell clients as well. So for me, one of the things I've done is I've actually made on my computer a where is it file. So things <laughs> that I don't use very often and I've just embraced the fact I'm going to forget where I put them. I put in the where is it file. I'll give you a great example. Um, we got the first first big snow forecast in Chicago yesterday. And I was, was keeping my porch swing up for dear life until then. And I said to my husband, now we got to get it away before it has five inches of snow on it. Um, last year, we lost like the hooks that hold up the porch swing. We had no idea where we put them after we took it down. And we went and we bought, out, we bought new ones fine. It ended up to be pretty cheap at Home Depot. But the point is like, before we realized we could buy new ones, we were frantically looking all over for them. So this year right. he handed them to me and said, it's your responsibility, put it where you'll remember it. And I, I put it somewhere in the shed, but I knew I was going to still forget, or I had to, I had to assume I'm going to forget even with the, you know, that sort of flag in my mind of remembering the drama last year. So if I just write it down in the, where is it file? It's on this shelf in the shed. Like I'll know. Okay. It's sort of like a brain dump. I've put it outside my right. brain. And if I forget it, I will just look in my, where is it file? That also applies to like certain things like Passover items or things that I don't use very often, but I'm going to want to remember where the time comes. So that's helped me. Right. Another thing is. As I go, well, I'll just say to that yeah. specifically for what you're talking about, like I would have just put them in a plastic bag and taped it to the, to the bench. So that's what we thought we did last year. That's what that would have been our process all these seasons, but somehow we have no idea what happened. <laughs> so I, 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 I see you and I raise you a hundred, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, you know, once I realized that situation, that, that. Um, that approach for some reason didn't work last year. So I, I, I'm safeguarding it with also putting in my file. But another okay. thing is, is like a lot of times I'll come across something that I don't use very often and I'll say, whoa, hey, look at this. You know, like um, I know I'm going to need this at some point. Right. And, you know, then I come across it the next year at the same time and I'm like, oh, this. And like, I finally said to myself, if, if there's something I don't use for a year, I probably don't need it. And if I'm going to forget yes. that I, I had it or where I put it, why am I keeping it? Um, so the only problem with that, though, is um, a lot of times we kick ourselves, right, Rebecca? Like if there's something that like, oh, I know I'm going to need this, but and then you get rid of it. And then what happens the next week you find you need it. Right. And you're like, oh, man, like, I think that, we that scenario is is much more rare than people think. Mm hmm. Okay. It just actually happened to me yesterday, but maybe that's why it's on my mind. <laughs> it's not, it's not that it never happens or that it's infrequent. It's just not frequent. Not frequent enough that you that should makes... keep all your items that you probably right. don't. But right. also I think like, I think that when we're really being honest with ourselves, most of the time we can say to ourselves like, well, if I didn't know that I had it and I didn't know where it was, and I've been fine without it all this time. It's okay to pass my, my blessing on to somebody else. Right. Right. Like if no one's using it, like, I think that a, th a lot of things that happen, like, okay, I'll give you an example. I had this one client and we spent a lot of time 
sorting out her baby clothes and kids clothes for kids that she didn't even have. Like her kids were big. She was saving it for her siblings. And I'm like, why are we doing this? And she's like, because I can store them, but my siblings can't right now. And I'm like, okay. And it didn't really make sense to me because it would have just made sense to like pass it on to somebody else or make it somebody else's problem. Like it's not our responsibility to hold on to things for somebody else. It's nice if you can, but it's not our job. And the thing is, is a lot of times like having that stuff, even though it, it, it doesn't seem like it's affecting us. It is actually affecting us because what happened to her was, and this is a very common problem is the stuff was all stored in her basement and she had a flood and everything got moldy and she had to throw it all out anyways. Wow. Wow. And, and this is so common where like, we're like, okay, well, we're just going to put it in the basement and, or we'll put it in the attic or we'll put it in the storage. And then there's water or there's a fire or, or whatever. And like, it didn't come in handy anyways. And now nobody can use it because it's worthless. Right. Mm -hmm. So like we hold on to these things and, and, you know, Pierre Cavot also says um, in ethics of our fathers, that it also says like that the value of, of an object is what it does for you. Right. Like it, it not exactly like that much more graceful, but the idea behind it is if an object isn't doing what it's supposed to do, then there's no point to this object, right? It's not serving its purpose. And, and, and objects are designed to serve their purpose. And if they're not working for us, then they're sitting there taking up space. And when we don't pass those things onto somebody else, that means that more resources are going into making these things for people. And, and we're holding on to something that somebody else could be using. It's not benefiting us. It's not benefiting them. And it's not serving its purpose. And in fact, yeah. it's hurting us because we're holding on to something that we don't really need. And I know that it's very hard to think like, well, I have the space. So why can't I hold on to it? But just because you have space doesn't mean that it needs to be full. Yeah, it doesn't mean it needs to be cluttered. Right, right. Someone told me this story where it's like this older couple in their 60s, right? And they had like a, a 2,500 square foot house. They actually moved to a 4,000 square foot house because they didn't have enough room. <laughs> and I'm uh -huh. like, are you for real? Because, and and like, I, I don't, it's not like, I, I, I very much don't understand the idea of like, why why do we need to create more space for our stuff like i understand the need to have storage like if we don't have a good storage system set up it's very hard to function i am a big proponent of you know storing our food in containers having appropriate closets with drawers like getting things in a way that we can manage our systems where we can find our underwear where we can find our socks where we can find our bras where we can find our scarves, like, right, we need to be able to find these things. And we need systems and we need storage in order to do that. But there's a limit to how much we need to store. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But let's let me ask you a troubleshooting question on that, though, sure. that concept. So I'll give you it. I'll give you a concrete example. I think sometimes and I know this happens for me. If I've bought something, and it's gotten good use, I'm way more okay with letting it go to someone else or throwing it out or whatever. Because I guess you could sort of say I got my money's worth, right? Like it was used, it was loved, it served its purpose. When I have items that did not get used or did not serve their purpose, like it drives me crazy. Like I don't, I don't want to give it up. So maybe I'll use it. Maybe I'll get to it, and I'll give you, I'll give you a great, um, 
ridiculous example. So my mm-hmm. kids at the beginning of the year, this one of the schools, one of my kids is in and all my kids ended up at the school at one point, they charge a book fee on top of the astronomical mm-hmm. tuition. You have the lovely, um, the lovely honor of also being able to pay then the book fee. Fine. No problem. Okay. Just another, another part of tuition. The problem right. with the book fee is fine until at the end of the year, your kid will inevitably come home with the book one of the books and there'll be two pages filled out. So here's a book you've likely spent $25 on a work of usually it's a Hebrew workbook, you know, and right. they've done two pages. So what do I ultimately do? I say to myself at times I've said to myself, Oh, well, I have another kid who's going to be in this grade and two years from now, I'll just save it till they're in the grade. What happens then? I don't really have the chutzpah to say to the school, do you mind if I use this version of it and you deduct it from my book fee? I'm t- whatever, I end up paying the book fee. So then the next If you even thing, remember that you have it. Yes. And then the next thing I say to myself, so I stopped that because I realized I wasn't going to do it. But I say, you know what? I have a kid in a different school where they really have a very not as good Hebrew education. So I'll use this book to teach the younger child Hebrew using this book. At least this book will get used. Now I'm embarrassed to say, have I done this once? No. And I still <laughs> have the stack of books. So here I am. I don't want to get rid of it because I paid for it. And it really feels like a waste because it barely got used. But on the other hand, like I, I just, I have to be realistic with myself that I have never once, I keep saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But I haven't done it. So do you work with clients in these kind of situations and how do you advise them? To like get get beyond the monetary aspect of having quote unquote wasted the money on the item. So it's a very complex thing and it really depends on who the person is and, and what the approach we take is regarding money because everybody has like a totally different relationship with money. Yes, <laughs> very much so. But one of the things that I really feel is important as a religious Jew is the understanding that God will always give us what we need. Mm, and it may not seem like God will always give us what we need, but like, maybe we don't need it if we don't have it. And again, you know, I was in a situation where I got stuck away from my home for two months and I have all my winter clothes in Israel. Right. Mm -hmm. But they didn't serve me at all because I was in America and my clothes were in Israel. So I had to go out and get new clothes. And Thankfully, there's really great thrifting where my dad lives and we were able to thrift like 75% of, of what we needed. Um, and a lot of the community opened up their closets and gave us stuff. So I, I was able to get the, the community to declutter too, right? We needed coats. They Everybody was like, yeah, we have coats, we have sweatshirts, whatever you need, right? And like, I think what's really important to remember is like I didn't have what I needed but I got what I needed yeah and it didn't matter that I already had it because it wasn't accessible to me so even if you have something we don't know we just don't know and it goes back to the story that I was saying before it's like we don't know what's going to be accessible to to us when and to me part of being a religious Jew is the trust the belief that we'll be okay no matter what happens I love that, that it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like it's, it's litmus test of how much faith you have. If you just trust what I, what I need, I will have and get, whether it's the neighbor it's giving hard. it to me and, and I might have it and God might not open my eyes to where it is in my house. So that's, right. also, 
Exactly. Exactly. And it's a very hard thing to get to. It's a very hard thing to get to. And it took me a lot of years to, to feel comfortable with that philosophy. Yeah. Because just like it takes a lot of years to build your faith and really, really embody that God will take care of you, you know, and whether you have the item or you don't, it will come to you, whether you have to purchase it or someone will lend it to you, or you'll remember where you put it in the house or, or, or what. So I'd also love to now shift gears to talking about harnessing technology for decluttering. Um, Personally, um, I feel like I've learned how to harness my phone to really help me in the decluttering process. Like I'm going to give some examples for the listeners where I felt it really helpful. Like all the papers that I'm going to, that are important to me and I think I'm going to forget or lose, I'll often just take a picture of it and then I, I have it in one place on my phone and then I can get rid of the paper or I'll give you what I thought was a really unique example. I had this, um, this membership card for the gym that, um, you know, I would, there'd be a stretch where I would go to the gym and I'd lose the card. So what did I do then? Then I got the keychain version. Oh, I'm not going to lose it now. Go on my keychain. Then the keychain piece, like, you know, Break, um, yeah. broke. So finally I said, well, what can I do? And I realized I can just take a picture of this, take a picture of the barcode and I can scan the picture in the barcode reader when I need to get into the gym. So it was like the perfect solution. I don't need any key cards anymore for the gym. I just scan my phone. Um, so that's another example where I found it was really helpful. And um, the other one I wanted to give is like, you know, there are these beautiful things my children have made me. Like they got into this habit of for my birthday would make those big trifold poster boards, right? Like <laughs> the ones you used to use for school when you were like 12 years yeah. old for like a presentation. And, you know, each of them would take like a side or a piece and like design it and write it. And they're so beautiful. And they were sitting in our hall, like stacking up year after year, you know, which kind of made it that we were always celebrating my birthday, which I'm cool with. But at some point I had to get rid of them or do something with them. And I didn't want to, but they were so big. So again, I took a picture (laughs) of the different contents. And then, I mean, ultimately I had to move on because it was just too large of an item to store. Um, then the only problem becomes remembering where you have it on your phone. So, I mean, I'm sure there's technology that I don't, I don't use to the max to organize these different things I store on my phone, but I would love to hear from you, like, you know, what tech technology applications, um, you think are best for use in this kind of decluttering or remembering. I like where to keep things are. simple. I, I, I'm like, I, I, I definitely love technology, but I, I try to keep it as simple as possible. I don't like to use like fancy apps. I like to use like basics. One thing that I will say, and this is a question that I get a lot. And since you just sort of touched on it, I'll, I'll go ahead and say something about it. Um, one of the things that I used to do with my kids artwork is that I used to take a picture of them holding it and then they could pick like their best piece, put it in their art box, and then we would discard it. And every when the box got too full, they would have to make like decisions about like which ones they kept and which ones they didn't keep. One of the things that I used to do is our computer used to be in the living room. So I would upload the pictures and I would make it our screensaver and it would play in a slideshow for them. And it was captivating to them for hours. Um, so one of the things that a, a better, I mean, my youngest are 15 right now. So like that's a long time ago. One of the newer things that have has happened since then is digital photo frames. And the beauty of digital photo frames is, is that you can um, buy them and they have their own email addresses. 
And so you can just send the pictures to the photo frames and then you can get them off your phone and they're there. Like you could just email the picture to the photo frame and you don't have to oh, keep wow. like a billion pictures on your phone anymore uh -huh. or worry about the backup. It's in the, it's in the frame and the frame's yeah. playing on repeat all the time. And especially if you have little kids, it's fascinating for them. They love it. Yeah. And it's great also for grandparents. You can send them, uh, you know, just send them new pictures of your kids. It's, it's like, and it just shows up on their slideshow and it's really nice. Yeah, that's um, a great idea. Um, so that's just like a little side tangent for a minute. <laughs> but uh, I, I I try to use like really basic tools. So um, I use my email as my to-do list. So I keep I keep my inbox around 25, 50, uh, which I know is hard for a lot of people. But I do that because it's like it reminds me of things that need to happen. And if I remember, like as I'm going to sleep, if I remember I need to do something, I just send myself an email and then I'll be there in the morning and I'll be able to do it deal with it and I do keep a paper to-do list because for me writing actually really helps me remember things but when I have to do something and it's late and I don't have my to-do list with me I just send myself an email and I like take the pressure off of myself to have to try to remember I also have a whatsapp group with myself where I can send myself like information that I refer to a lot of times um, and another thing that I do is I use my contacts to store information so we used to have a dog and our dog had a chip number. And I mean, who remembers your dog's chip number, right? So like I had an entry for our dog and I saved his chip number under the notes, mm -hmm. right? Like, and then I would keep like his veterinary records there. And like when I went to get him vaccines and when I paid the, the in, in Israel, you have like a veterinary, like a, an ownership fee. So like when I would pay the fee and like all these different things, like there's all my information about my dog, right? Right there in my contacts. Yeah, that's great. That's great. You can use your contacts for more than just contacts, right? Yeah, like I like to try to find low tech, low tech. I mean, it's still high tech, but like basic tech solutions to problems that, that pop up. Because I find that people are always asking me like, okay, well, what's the best app for time management? And what's the best app for tracking this? And, and I'm like, Google makes so many good tools and they're free. Like, yeah, I yeah, I really rely on the Google Notes. I find that like, that's super helpful. Google yeah. Calendar is so good. Like, what? <laughs> it reminds you. Like, and the, and if you're specific, and if you get into the habit of being specific about what calendar looks like, you'll be able to go back and search for things. Like, it's not just oh, I have a doctor's appointment at 2 a.m. on Thursday or 2 p.m. on Thursday. Who's going to the doctor at 2 a.m.? But, you know, whatever. Um, I, I, it's not I just have a doctor's appointment at 2 p.m. on Thursday. It's I'm going to the dentist and the address is here. And, you know, this is how much it costs me. And, and, and I can refer back to it if I have any questions because I can search in my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. So you put that in the notes in your calendar for the appointments. You'll remember next yeah, time. I make it next in the notes time. and then I can go back and look at it if I need it. And if I don't need it, okay. It's not taking, you know, it's not hurting anybody by having it there. Yeah. And, and I think like getting into the habit of being a good note taker is really helpful, but also just like getting in the habit of putting things in a, the same place all the time. It, the same thing happens with like time management and, and our actual stuff. Like, it makes it easier when when it, the process is streamlined. Absolutely. And I think there are things that you, I think you really have to embrace the notion of like when, when you start to forget things. Like, again, I used to, my mind used to be a steel trap and now 
you know, the, just yesterday, I wanted to set up a ride for my son to get to the airport for when we're gone, whatever. And he's meeting us for winter break. And I was like, how much does that guy charge? And how much do like, there's a couple drivers we use. And I'm like, I just used them that long ago. How come I don't remember? And if I had just said, I'm Beth, it's okay to not remember. There's plenty of more important things to remembering. And let's say put the, how much it costs in the note of the last time we used them at the beginning of December, like, you know, and then I could have just searched, oh yeah, he charges 50 bucks, you know, like I think we have to get past the shame and judgment of forgetting things, you know, like, oh, oh man, how could I not remember that, you know? Yeah, I think, oh, I think we're all just too hard on ourselves in general. <laughs> that probably sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> like we're, nobody's perfect. Just do the best you can. And we're living very busy lives, all of us. Like things used to be much more simplified. Like, you know, you know, with with technological advancement has also come a lot of things that are harder to do. It's not always easy, you know. Um, so I think I we think, need to own I that. Being busy though is like a four-letter word that people use. Like almost as if they're trading status. I hate that word. <laughs> right. I really hate it. And, and I don't like to be busy. I like to be calm. I like to be relaxed. I don't, I think people don't understand a lot of times how to say no to things. And, and this results in problems across the board. It, 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 it means that we overconsume, not just food, but also consumables like, like clothing or, or just toys or papers or whatever, because like who could say no to something it's free, right? But you can just because it's free doesn't mean you need to take it. Uh -huh. You don't have to. You don't have to take something just because it's free, right? You don't have to say yes to something just because somebody asked you to do it, right? No is a complete sentence, and I have to work on that too because there's a lot of times where I don't say no to people. But I don't feel like I'm busy. Sometimes my schedule is full. Excuse me. Sometimes my schedule is fuller than other times, and that's true. And sometimes there's much more on my plate because that's the way life happens. But I design my my time, like I work hard to design my schedule so that I can be flexible. When my friend asked me to babysit for her kids or pick them up from school, I can do it because I made a flexible schedule for myself. Can I do it all the time? No. This week she asked me and I had to say no because I couldn't. I had a conflict, right? But I like being able to say yes. So I, I, I reduce the amount of external things that I have to be responsible for. So when things come up that I want to be able to do, I can do them. For mm -hmm. example, I allowed myself um, to be able to cook for the soldiers and also make deliveries. Sometimes the deliveries are over an hour each way. And it, it takes a lot of time to do that. And it takes a lot of time to just be like, okay, yeah, I have four hours to just drive and drop off all this stuff. Right. Like, but I want to do that. And those aren't things are important to me. So, so I carve out time and I don't want to be busy. So I figure out what's important to me. What a lot of people don't really see is how we spend our time shows what things we value. Exactly. Like yeah. You look back at your schedule and you see like, Oh, I, I can't really account for that time. Well, it's like, well, then what was really happening sometimes we put in this like false sense of busyness where we like oh we have so much to do right but is that stuff we really have to do right right yeah and there's also a lot of uh quote-unquote wasted time 
which, you know, people really, but I should be able to choose how I waste my time. And, and I get, sometimes we need downtime and I definitely build downtime into my day, but like, I think it's important to understand that like there's downtime, but saying like you're busy, I feel like it's a cop, it's a cop out. Why are you busy? Are you busy because you're taking care of stuff that isn't really important? Like I, hear you. The, I would say that one of the things that people say to me the most is I'm too busy to declutter, which really means it's not important enough to me. They don't see the value to doing it and they don't understand how much more time they'll net in the long run when they take the time up front to have less. It's true. It's true. Business is almost used as like, if you, you're right. If you, if you look at it outside yourself, like someone else, it's like, well, the things that you value and are most important to you, you will make time for. So if you say you're too right. busy for X, Y, or Z, it means that you don't really value it. Like, or, or something else is keeping you back, like laziness. I don't, if, I, if someone says I'm too busy to exercise, it also could be a code word if I don't want to, right? Like, um, I definitely think that there's, there's more than one thing going on, but it's like, but you can look at how, you know, I block out time to work out every day, almost every day. And I think if someone was looking at my schedule, they would say like, oh, you work a lot. Oh, you, you work out a lot, right? It's true. I work a lot and I also make time to work out, but my assistant knows that that time slot at six o'clock, we can't, we can't touch that slot. That's when we have family dinner time. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's something you value. Right. 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 I'm not making meetings during six o'clock from six to seven. There's no meetings going on once in a while. I have an occasional thing that pops up. Right. Or like I, an appointment ran late or something happened, but like family dinner time is really important. And I would say most nights of the week we're eating dinner as a family. Mm -hmm. because that's our value. That's what's important to us. And we sat down and figured out what was important to us. And we made that our reality. And I guess that's also where this, this then translates into decluttering your life, right? Because what we're saying is if you, um, if you, if you, if you remove a lot of the stuff you don't really want to be doing, you create space um, to have more time for what you value. Right. Right. Or even to restructure the hierarchy of values and what you're giving your time to. Um, right. Yeah. And there's I think so many, there's so many benefits to, to just living a more simplified life. And again, I'm not saying be minimalist. I'm just saying make life simple. And for a lot of people, life is very complex. We have sick parents. We have special needs kids. We have a lot of kids we have, we, we live in a place that sometimes things are not so convenient. Right. But like, okay, so these are our scenarios in life. Where can we simplify? Cause there's always some way to simplify. And yeah. yes, there will be more times that are hectic than other times. When my mom was sick, it was really hard. It was really, really hard. I was traveling between the U S and Israel every three weeks, almost I was taking wow. a different kid with me every time. It was hard on my husband. It was hard on my kids, right? Like, but you know, I was taking my two, my 10 days with my mom, right? Like, and, and that's the value that, that we had as a family. And so, yes, I had to shift and pivot in my business and how I did things and, and, and certain things became prioritized over other things. I'm not saying that's never going to happen. I'm just saying it's easier to do those kinds of things when there's less physical or like just noise going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. When and often in those simplify. situations, you realize how much is noise. Um, yeah. And, and how much, you know, you can sort of throw off the boat um, to focus on what is important. Um, so, yeah, so I love that, that really we're like, we're talking more meta here. We're talking more how like everything in life and sometimes that involves an initial startup cost of extra time. Like, you know, like to, if you're putting a system in place, so you have to, <laughs> you have to work on the system first and then yeah, you've got to work with me. And then hopefully it runs on more autopilot, you know, but you have to first, you know, put in the initial work to then eventually make things simpler. Um, okay. So one last question I have for you. Yeah. Um, uh, actually many questions for you, but we're going to end with this. Well, question. We can have um, part two. <laughs> so what do you do? We're going to use the example. I know adults are like this too, but I have this problem with specifically one of my children um, with living with someone who's a pack rat, someone who does does not want to get rid of anything because they, I really think with, with kids, sometimes they develop an emotional attachment to everything. I'll give you a great example during COVID during like when, you know, the, the time period where no one was in our house, like we just, you know, weren't having people over. Uh, we replaced one of our mattresses. And so mm -hmm. I put the old mattress in our living room. So the kids could like have a cozy spot to read. I didn't mind there was a mattress in the middle of my living room because well, no one was coming no to our house coming. and the kids enjoyed it. They would jump on it. Like it was getting rid of anyways. It was an old mattress. Right. Um, eventually though, it had to be disposed of. Yeah. It wasn't going to live yeah. there forever. The amounts of drama this caused with this child that like this mattress was going to get thrown out and we said the, the mattress has been replaced. We don't need it anymore. You guys have jumped on it to the point where it's done. Um, and like, it literally, I had to eventually like put it in the alley when she, she wasn't here and then she came home and it wasn't there. And there was like, you know, a big emotional meltdown. meltdown yeah. So, so, but it, I see with this child that like, she just doesn't want to get rid of everything, anything really like papers, school stuff, you know, old, old little toys she gets from a carnival, like that we clearly don't yeah. need. So, so what do you do with that? So. First of all, congratulations for recognizing that this is that child and for wanting to to facilitate something that works for her. Yeah. Because that's that's helpful. What kids have to understand is that that we live in a finite physical space. Like space is not infinite. We don't have unlimited amounts of it. And and we have to respect our space and we and and the boundaries that come along with it not just for ourselves, but because we live with other people. And I don't know, does this child share a room? She does not. Okay. So within the bounds of her room, she can keep what she likes, assuming that there's a space for it. Because, and I think that this goes back to, you know, the same sort of thing around time is the same sort of thing around these kinds of, of issues with, with kids who are, have hoarding tendencies. Um, let's call them, they're collectors. <laughs> yeah. let's, um, let's shiny up the term. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're collectors. Hoarders, collectors. There we um, go. I think, I think what we, what we're, the same thing happens is, is to show them our values. We, we believe that God will give us what we need when we need it. We don't have to hold on to everything. We can pass our blessing on to somebody else. That's our value. If, if that's your value, then you need to exemplify that and also give your child opportunity to, to, to make that happen. But also we have to teach them the same thing with systems. 
okay, here is the system that you have. You can contain this many things. And anything outside of that, we have to make a decision about. Mm-hmm. Right. Now you get to choose. Do you want to keep this or do you want to keep that? It's your choice. I don't care. I'm not going to involve myself in any way. Mm-hmm. And you you really have to feel neutral about that. And you have to actually you know, represent that neutrality. This is what you want. That's okay with me. But you have to decide this or that. And what about for the bright line items like the giant mattress in your living room? We replaced it with something new and therefore this is going out. Mm-hmm. And I think, but, but the thing is, is you can't expect this new philosophy to just ding overnight, right? Like, yeah. oh, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off and I get this, right? Like if you've conditioned the child to be okay with like, well, we'll just buy whatever we need whenever we need it and not use the one in one out rule, which is if I buy something new, something old has to go out. Like if they're mm-hmm. not conditioned to understand that rule, then, then that they just don't seems random. It. Right, right. Then it seems random. Right. And it's like the same thing as saying to them, go clean your room when, when they have no idea or they have no system in place, they can't do it because they have no context. Right. There's no, there's no free data that, that gives them any understanding of what this scenario is supposed to play out as. Got right? it. Like they have nothing to recall to say like, Oh, well, that makes sense because that's what happened last time. Right. If, if you're constantly buying them something new and nothing old is going out, when that has to happen because of the physical limits of the space, right? It's of course going to be a meltdown because there's no level of expectation for that to happen. Yeah. I think with this child, there's also a certain sensitivity of like, of like Hakara Satov to items, which I really believe, like, you know, she was like, but how could we get rid of it? We had such good time on it. And, you know, like she didn't, she, she felt better. Like if I give something to someone, she feels better than if I just put it in the alley. This was a situation where it had to go in the alley. No one would want this mattress. So, um, yeah, you know, it was, I okay. guess. So then maybe it's figuring out with her, how can we recycle it? So it's not just ending up in the trash. Right. I hear that. I hear that. Or, or it's, or it's, but it's also the understanding of, well, when we consume something, we are making like the choice about something. So actually if she's a pack rat and she's holding on to things, if she's a collector and she's holding on to things, then this is a really great time to teach her about consumption. You have this already. So do you need this? Do Mm -hmm. we even need to into our life in the first place because the truth is is that's really people are always asking me like how do you maintain organization well just don't bring the stuff into your house in the first place now i'm not saying nothing's ever going to break in that you're never going to need to buy something new but when something breaks get rid of it when you bring something new in Mm -hmm. if you need if you feel like you need a white blouse then the three other white blouses in your closet are going to leave because you're not using those so go ahead and buy yourself a new one or, or secondhand one or whatever it is you're going to buy, but like, don't hold on to the three that you're not using. Right. So like, so set that framework where, where the expectation is if something new comes into our house, something old goes out and more than that, but we're only going to buy things that we really truly need. 
Right. Or that if there's something that's coming in, like we could set, we could set time limits. Like if you're, if you just went to this carnival, you're bringing in all these tchotchkes, all these little things that are likely going to end up rolling around the floor and not anyone playing with. Okay. So enjoy them for a week. <laughs> and if you're, and if, if you're still playing with them, maybe we'll extend the week. And if not, then it's going to be time to like, you know, get rid of them. Um, but yeah. I also think it's like, it's that level of expectation where you go to the carnival and it's like, well, okay, well, how many things do you need to bring back? That's like, true. I, what, that's true. You would like, you could say like, guys, if you get X, that's fine. But once you get that, we're done. Right. Right. We don't need all the little trash. Right. And, right, yeah. right. So like, we're going to set the expectation. So choose wisely. Yeah. I like that. And that helps them already develop the muscle memory of choice and decision-making. Right. And, you know, I, I love to tell my children when they want the first thing, it's a good thing to see all your options and then select. Like, you know, right. I think kids are also very rash in that. Um, we don't give our kids enough practice decision-making. Yes, absolutely. And we have to. Yeah. Right. This is, this is their, this is their training ground for the wonderful uh, exactly. next step of adulthood. <laughs> exactly. Where hopefully their lives will be uncluttered. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much. We've gleaned so thank much you, wisdom Beth. from you. And I hope that all our listeners were coming, oh, coming away with many ideas to change their lives. And we so. wish, we wish you continued success with all of the wonderful things that you do.